Hello, I'm Danny Levy, and this is the Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast. In this special edition, we ask, how can we delight your buyers and future-proof your brand? To help us answer that question, we're going to take an in-depth look at the boom in e-commerce, brought to you in partnership with Adyen, the platform built to simplify and accelerate global payments. Adyen was established in 2006. The founding team wanted to build a platform capable of meeting the rapidly evolving needs of fast-growing businesses. Today, Adyen delivers frictionless payments across online, mobile, and in-store channels worldwide, allowing for unified commerce and providing shopper data insights to merchants. With 22 offices across the world, Adyen serves customers including Facebook, Uber, Spotify, Grab, Kluke, Sephora, and Singapore Airlines, to name a few. And in today's show, we'll be talking exclusively to Warren Hayashi, who's the president of Adyen Asia Pacific, and Jeeva Subramarian, who's the CFO of BHG, the Singapore department store. We cover the key issues impacting retail digital transformation, building an omnichannel business, focusing on customer experience, the importance of developing a brilliant culture, and maintaining agile and resilient leadership. All of this and much, much more coming up on today's episode of the Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast with me, Danny Levy. I'm very pleased to welcome Warren Hayashi, President of Adyen Asia Pacific onto the show. And we're also joined today by Jeeva Subramarian, who's the CFO from BHG. This special edition of the show is split into two installments. In part one, we're going to focus on retail insights. And to start with, let's focus on the huge acceleration we're seeing in digital transformation. Warren, Jeeva, welcome to Digital Transformation and Leadership. Hey, Danny, great to be here. Glad to be here, Danny. And you're both, uh, you're both dialing in today from, from Singapore? I am, yes. Yeah, that's correct. We're, uh, we're, our regional headquarters is based in Singapore. Great to be speaking with you both today. Thanks for, thanks for making the time. I thought just to kick us off, uh, it would be good if you could share a little bit more information with the listeners about your background and what it is you're doing. And I thought it would be great, Warren, if you could kick us off here. Hey, thanks, Danny. It's great to be here. Hi everyone, this is Warren Hayashi. I'm with Adyen. I run uh, Adyen's Asia Pacific business. We're a payments company serving uh, not just uh, international companies with a presence in Asia, but also uh, uh, merchants, retailers, digital companies um, that are looking to expand outside of Asia into the rest of the world. Uh, we have uh, seven offices now in Asia. Um, for us, that includes uh, presence in Australia, Japan, China, Hong Kong, and India, outside of uh, our regional headquarters in uh, Singapore. And I've been with Adi in about five and a half years. Fantastic. Thank you, Warren. Jeeva, could you give us a little bit of background about yourself as well? Sure, Danny. Uh, hi, everyone. So I'm the CFO for BHG. BHG is a retail department store in Singapore. We are part of a much larger group, which is uh, based in China. And uh, the Singapore in Singapore, we have about five department stores. And we're looking to transform the department store from its traditional dying department store concept and keep starting that this year and I'm looking forward to doing the change in Singapore. So we're going to be jumping into a topic today around delighting your customers and future-proofing your brand. 
And I know this is something that, you know, you, Warren and Jeeva are incredibly passionate about. And I think it's going to be a really, really brilliant discussion for the listeners. So we've broken it up into two parts today. And the first part we're going to get into is on retail insights. And this has got three different points to it. So uh, the first point, point number one, is on the huge acceleration of digital transformation, which obviously syncs very well with the, with the theme of this podcast around digital transformation. So Jeeva, I thought I could come to you first to kick us off around this first point, um, which is across retail insights and digital transformation. Sure, Danny. To me, digital transformation um, is not something new. So if you look at Europe, US, and to a certain extent, China, this has been going on for the last five to six years. Mm. But strangely in Singapore and Southeast Asia, it hasn't caught up that much. And uh, it's just definitely overdue, the transformation. We're just playing catch up. But what COVID has done, it's kind of amplified the need to do this sooner. But you've seen a lot of uh, retailers, a lot of businesses uh, kind of closing down and losing out because they've not done the digital transformation. Mm -hmm. I think this is now forcing their hands to do it quicker. Uh, it's definitely um, e-commerce itself is booming, but I still feel that the, the lot of people that I speak to even now have a different understanding of what a digital transformation is. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, some go, okay, I've put out my e-commerce channel, so I've done my transformation. That, that to me feels like, okay, maybe they don't really understand what it is. Um, and when I first started, I started in BHG about a year ago, and we talked about digital transformation. The first thing that always came up was e-commerce and the channel by itself. But to me, it's more getting e-commerce is part of the digital transformation. Uh, we need it. We've needed it for the last decade. Uh, it's strange that some business didn't have it. BHG never had an e-commerce platform, so I was amazed we didn't have one. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's more than just a channel. So people use it, for example, to browse. So this, I find it people use it different ways. One, use it to shop only online. So there's one type of customers. Another customer use it for a research tool. So if you want to see what a retailer is selling, you go onto the online channel, you see what, what they have. And then you go into the store to buy. So not having an e-commerce channel stops them seeing what you have in store. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them go to the store, browse what they want to buy, and then they see big heavy items like luggages or bins, uh, and then go back and order online. So just having an e-commerce channel by itself doesn't solve the problem. You need to find a way to integrate it to the uh, offline stores. So I think blurring these lines of online to offline is extremely key because the way consumer shopping now has been has changed a lot. Uh, they're able to do research, compare prices, so not having that uh, e-commerce channel is a, it's a huge problem for people. Mm -hmm. uh, and in terms of how customers are looking to shop, so we've seen the need for more personalized shopping. So more service than just purely going somewhere to shop. Uh, the way I look at it is when we were growing up, there was always, let's go and spend time in the shopping mall. Let's go and hang out in the shopping mall. Uh, for a department store, nobody ever says, let's go and hang out in the department store. But why not make that happen? So mm -hmm. why not? Why can't we make the department store um, a destination for where people go spend time? You can learn something. You can gain something intangible as well. 
in addition to your shopping needs. So an example to that would be if, I, if a consumer now goes into the store rather than just buying the product, they would love it if they get something else to take away. So if they get to learn something new that they haven't had before. Mm-hmm. For example, telling them uh, about the product or if you're going for beauty, how is how's those uh, videos and how to use makeup, for example. So those education is something intangible that take away apart from product. That's what makes the retailer stands out in, mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of shopping. And I think uh, other technologies like visual, visual search, so that's becoming very uh, popular nowadays. So things like deep tagging, where you put all your products, uh, you deep tag all your products. So when someone, uh, and if you've heard about Google Lens and Google Images, you cannot take a picture and search it online and it'll tell you where to buy. Mm-hmm. So if, if your company, if your business is not doing that, then you're losing out in that market as well. So I think uh, some, that's some of the tools and new technologies that's coming up. Um, in terms of the total transformation, I think the backend system, which is not the what we call the sexy part of the transformation, is extremely key. Mm-hmm. It currently causes a lot of problems for retailers not having the backend sorted out systems. Okay, makes sense. So I'd like to come back to a few of these points, Jeeva, but sure. maybe I'll come to Warren first to, to give his uh, insights here around the, the digital transformation issue. Yeah, thanks, uh, Danny. The transformation has it's been going on for some time now. And if you kind of take take a step back and you know, see where we started, the, we'll just call it the olden days of uh, retail. If you think about marketing 101, the first thing that uh, they teach you, it's, it's location, location, location. And you see this, right? The retailers in the past have really focused on opening as many stores as they could and get the foot traffic in. And the shopping experience is always centered around what the brand or the retailer chooses, not just the store location, but what inventory to display, how they sell, and in many cases, what they sell. If the salesperson on the floor had a commission, a commission plan that incented them to sell one particular item over another, that was the experience. And as a shopper, there was really only one way to one way to pay. You get in line, you wait, and when you get to the uh, when it's your turn to pay, well, you either pay cash or you pay with some form of plastic. It was a really uh, uh, a process that was dictated dictated by the brand. But with digitization, um, with the rise of the internet and mobile, um, that power really shifted uh, to the consumer. Right, the consumers now have so many choices because it's no longer about shopping in the location that's closer to their house or to their office. They can shop online from any part of the world. Um, they can pay with so many different uh, methods now, not just cash, credit cards. And of course, one of the trends we're seeing is you know, going cashless. You can pay with so many different types of wallets, uh, contactless QR codes, and that uh, list of uh, payment methods seems to be growing. And of course, retailers now are forced forced to adopt uh, cashless payment methods because that's what the consumer prefers. Uh, so transformation um, through the digital um, tools and technology has really shifted the power of balance from the retailer to the consumer. Just because consumers now can dic- have so many choices and they can dictate the choice. And what that means is that retailers now have to consider where the experience starts. It's no longer just location, 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 but it's really around what the consumer looks for. And if you think about what's happened in the last few months, uh, the whole foundation of the location of the store, well, that got completely ripped out, right? 
Um, stores were forced to close in a very short time. Consumers couldn't get to the stores during the out limited hours, uh, etc. So in many ways, many retailers have years of planning, um, and there's trade-offs, right, uh, for everyone that uh, in any company. If I invest in opening two more stores, does that mean that uh, I have to uh, defer the upgrade of the inventory management system? Well, all those plans really went away because in a really short time, they had to pivot. All retailers had to pivot and go, okay, well, my stores are shut down. What do I need to do to survive? So really five years of planning and talking and uh, you know, trying to invest um, all, all had to be uh, re-examined because it was a matter of survival. Absolutely. So this shift really, Warren, it's putting the power in the consumer's hands. And I guess everything happening so fast, you know, you've got nanoseconds these days to capture the consumer. If you're not offering that kind of faster, more interesting, more relevant digital experience in as few clicks as possible, you're going to lose that customer. They're going to go to your competitor or they're going to go somewhere else. That's correct. It's no longer about crossing the street or going to a different mall. Every consumer has, you know, tens and hundreds of apps on the phone. So it's uh, one click away to go somewhere else. Mm. And I often think a little bit, are we overcomplicating digital transformation? For me, sometimes you've got to humanize it. And I think a lot of what we've seen in the last three to four months where we've had this rapid, you know, digital transformation or use of digital technologies across industries and verticals, uh, retail included, it's actually the consumer is using the technology to enable them to do what they can no longer do in the physical environment. So it's, it's, it's digital transformation, but it's technology that maybe was already there. It's just that the adoption rate is so much higher now. Yeah, absolutely correct, right? So you're, you're, we're forced to really distill uh, what we can do to the most very basic things um, or use the existing uh, technologies that we already have implemented because we need to get business going, right? That's what every retailer uh, had to think about. So we had a really good example with uh, where we work with Michael Hill, which is a uh, luxury jeweler based out of Australia. Mm. And of course, buying jewelry, uh, high-end jewelry, is a very high-touch experience, right? You go mm -hmm. in, you want to make sure that the, the diamond you're buying is the particular cut, color, um, et cetera. And typically, it's, a, it's for a special occasion. Um, so it's a purchase that uh, has a high emotional attachment to it. But the moment you couldn't go into the store, what do you do? So Michael, we've already we've been working with Michael Hill for a while now. Um, we introduced them to a, to a payment called a Pay by Link, where they can then um, send an SMS link uh, with a hosted payments page to a shopper that's uh, not so nearby anymore and mm -hmm. ship um, the items, courier the items um, to the shopper. And it was something that we turned around very quickly. And we see this uh, use case quite a bit amongst the luxury retailers because it's something that they have to do um, to keep the you know, the sales going. So again, it's it's just making use of what's available, using what's out there to keep the sales going. Are they having good good success, Warren, with the with the pay by link? How are they finding it? We're seeing uh, quite high adoption amongst all the retailers that are that have worked with us around this, um, and I think it's you know. It's something that's going to continue uh, now that the stores are opening. Um, you know, we, there was a research report that came out this morning in Singapore where 70% of consumers here in Singapore continue to buy groceries and shop online even after the stores open. So what, when uh, innovation happens, um, even in such a short uh, time frame, I think consumers get habituated. So the transformation continues. It doesn't take a step back.
Are you seeing any kind of patterns or trends around kind of changing consumer expectations and preferences, Warren? Yeah, the biggest trend we see is, uh, of course, the e-commerce. I think every uh, uh, retailer that offers both uh, in-store and uh, uh, e-commerce around the world have seen a significant jump in e-commerce. The other trend we see here, especially uh, in, uh, in Southeast Asia and Asia in general, where historically uh, uh, in-store payments were heavy on cash, the cashless agenda has just really accelerated. And it's mm. not just because of the contactless cards, it's also because of the number of wallets that are coming out. And within cashless payments specifically, Warren, is there, are there any specific trends you're seeing there? Obviously, you've got a multitude of payment options now. Uh, is there a gravitation now towards anyone in particular or anything that you just think stands out? I think contactless for cards is almost a given now um, mm. in many parts of uh, Asia Pacific. That's something that's moved really, really fast and also unique. Uh, places like the United States terminals, many terminals are still not contactless ready, which is uh, very uh, surprising when you live here in Asia. <laughs> I think the other part that distinguishes Asia is really around uh, the use of QR codes for the, uh, the wallets. Um, QR codes are relatively uh, um, new in mm -hmm. uh, places like the United States and Europe, or it's not necessarily new, but it hasn't been widely adopted. But the, you see that almost everywhere here across Asia. Yeah. And Jeeva, I just wanted to come back to you for a second because you said something really interesting that I just want to follow up on. Um, around the, the, the trans, transformation part, you said, you know, often what's overlooked is in the, is in the back end, um, not so much, you know, the front facing technology or the, the, con the technology that the consumer kind of can can touch and feel. Uh, would you be able to go into a bit more detail there for the listeners as to as to what you mean and maybe how, how you can bridge the two? So digital transformation, as, as I said earlier, I think a lot of people feel that going online and having an e-commerce channel is just enough. But what's needed is the backend work to make sure all that works. An example would be uh, getting one backend system to make sure you have all your multi-channel businesses your channels, kind of talking to one backend, because that's what's needed to make sure you offer, for example, an in-store digital experience. So you can still have a physical store and have a really great digital presence in the store. An example of that would be um, the endless aisle concept. Mm -hmm. So this is a digital screen that you can go into the store and use the digital screen in the store to see inventory across all the uh, branches of the brand. So if you come into, for example, BAG, uh, you can see the inventory of a particular color of shirt. And mm -hmm. if you don't have it in that store, you can see it across all the five shops or what we have in our warehouse. And then make your purchase on the kiosk itself. And to be able to do that, you need a backhand system that has a single view inventory. So without having that, you, you won't, will not be able to offer this endless aisle concept in the store. So that means the data that we collect, uh, the information that we have, has to be stored by can in a very easily used manner by the consumers. Mm -hmm. uh, using data to predict personalization, what when the customer walks into the store, knowing this customer is a repeat customer, they used to buy these products at these prices, what our new launches, what can we offer them that they would like, rather than offering them a that's the same as what we offer everyone else. You can offer a much personalized service. And to do that, you need a system backend to make sure that data is collected and used very easily by your front-end staff. 
So these are examples of how the system, the backend, is extremely key, and it's not just one. Today, we have systems such as um, your CRM system, you have your e-commerce, you have your store, and all these different channels are probably not talking to each other. So mm. having a backend system that kind of unifies all of them is a thing that's extremely key as well. Yeah. And Jiva, just because you've been through this journey, uh, you know, for the listeners out there that are within retail or maybe another sector that are maybe getting started or are early on in their digital transformation journey, what are the kind of two or three pillars you think they should be focusing on just to just to make sure they do it well? I think firstly, understand what you want to achieve. So that's a, it's a huge project when you go to a digital transformation. I think uh, have, having an end goal of what you want to achieve from the digital transformation and then breaking it down to phase one, phase two, phase three. Because in a smaller chunk, when you achieve that, it's much more easier than trying to do the whole project. Because when, when, it, when that happens and when you've hit a bump, a road hump, then it crashes. So it's hugely important that you break it down as well. And start with small wins. Um, start with smaller projects. For example, when we started our digital transformation project, we needed to do everything because we were so backwards in a lot of things that we're doing right now. Uh, so where do you start from? It's a, always a huge uh, question. So we started from the most important one, which we thought was our HR team. So a lot of people would not think this as part of this transformation, but we went from doing manual HR work to moving it online and getting it digital. So no, no longer our staff goes in and punches a card or signs something. Everything's done on a tablet. Everything's done online. That makes it easier for the front-end staff as well. Uh, and I think also having the right people in place. Uh, it's easy to have a digital transformation idea, but if you don't have the right team, it's gonna, you can have a very costly mistake on your investment. And I would imagine as well, you've also got to have the right partners in place. Definitely, and I think that takes a long time because mm. if you don't have the skill set to understand the whole transformation project, mm. uh, a partner sitting in front of you telling you, my system can do this, this, and this, and you're going to believe it without a lot of comparison. So having an expert to actually see through what you what's, what's useful for the business because not every business is going to be uh, using the same kind of software. So for a small business, doesn't need an SAP software because it's too mm. huge for them. So making sure having an expert to advise on that is key as well. Yeah, I love it. Warren, have we missed anything? Have we missed anything here? Key pillars of digital transformation. What do you think? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is really, as Diva mentioned, it's people yeah. um, or systems that talk to each other, right? Um, mm. But one thing, it's also about the organizational design and the incentives. Um, so think about uh, you know how the PNL responsibilities are being distributed in a very traditional setting where you know the online group has uh, has their independent PNL um, and then of course their data warehousing and the CRM systems uh, and say the in-store division has their separate PNL uh, their data data warehousing and everything else. Just think about how disjointed that is. It's also about setting the right the organizational goals the structure so that everything's aligned from the technology to the people. You're listening to the Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast. This edition is brought to you in partnership with AGN, the platform built to simplify and accelerate global payments. So now let's turn to looking at the omni-channel experience. The first thing we've done uh, is really stop calling it omni-channel. 
we call it unified commerce now. And it's a really subtle difference. Um, but where we started with omnichannel, I think many you know retailers really thought about omnichannel as well. Let's throw a, throw up as many channels out there. Um, let's cast the wide uh, fishing net. But in reality, I think what we've seen that makes more sense is really around unifying the commerce, not around the store, not around the brand, but really around the consumer. And when you make that subtle mindset change, you start designing every experience and engagement around the consumer. So think about uh, some examples of uh, leading retailers out there, um, like Nike. If you go to their New York or Shanghai stores, um, they call it the house of innovation. And the best way to really get the optimal experience is when you open up the app as you go into the, the store. And let's say you go through the store, you see uh, displays, you see the shoes, you can scan the items um, and have them waiting uh, waiting for it for you at the uh, at the checkout or at the fitting room, or if you go to their basketball court, it's almost like going to the gym where you actually experience what it's like to be a Nike uh, uh, basketball player, or if you want to be a Michael Jordan. Or there's uh, areas where you can really uh, sit down uh, and listen to speakers um, talk about certain topics. So it's really centered around the experience itself, not necessarily going in and picking up a product. Uh, Jiva talked about the endless style. And locally, we've worked with uh, Love Bonito, a great brand locally. Uh, if you go to their stores, there's so much uh, digitization, um, but there's a lot of omni-channel concepts that's uh, really embedded in the entire experience. Uh, endless style, there's uh, something that's not in the store. You can go to an iPad and buy it online. I'm gonna have it shipped home. If you pay, uh, at the cashier, you use your credit card. Um, because the systems uh, are tied, the point of sale systems are tied to the online systems through Audion. If a uh, credit card is automatically recognized and the cashier can say, oh, wait, this person's uh, used this credit card to buy at the online with Love Bonito, is there an upsell opportunity? Um, so the more engagement you have um, through the various channels about the consumers, of course, you have uh, even more data. Uh, to create more loyalty, to create more stickiness. And that's what we're really driving with uh, a lot of the retailers using, using the payments as the way to unify um, a lot of the disparate uh, channels or the systems that retailers may have. Lauren, have you seen the unified commerce kind of experience or the structure, I guess, um, has it changed through the pandemic at all? Are people altering their viewpoints or um, what, what great really looks like? What the pandemic really has shown is that you have to have a unified commerce strategy. You, can't, you can no longer rely on just uh, in-store. Um, mm. And of course, consumers are now expecting more and more as they become habituated to online shopping, whether it's groceries um, or even uh, you know, doing online banking. There's still so many consumers out there that, have, uh, that are relatively new um, to online experiences. But I think that what this does is really short circuit uh, the adoption curve. And um, do you have, a, I mean, you've mentioned a couple of examples here, Warren. I just thought, uh, do you have an example of one that you personally love? I mean, you've mentioned Nike and, and what they're doing there and Love Bonito, some great examples. Is there a retailer where, where do you just love going to their store? You love hanging out, you know, you love, um, you love maybe taking the family there. You don't have to transact, but they're just doing it really well. They're doing experiential really well from a personal perspective. Yeah, Nike is always my favorite, mostly because I, uh, I love uh, sports. Um, yeah. But there's also there's also a lot of other examples, right? The other way we talk about O2O as uh, offline to online. 
on mm. because many people think that uh, you know it's really one direction. But I think it's a myth that the store is being displaced. Um, we, yeah. We've seen uh, data, we've seen studies where you know the store the stores are still very integral to the to, to the shopping experience, and even so for millennials. We've conducted a study last year where over 50% of millennials still feel that stores are essential uh, to to their shopping experience, but the role of the stores itself might change. So think about some of the stores, uh, and they're, they're not here in uh, Asia yet, um, Bonobos, Casper. So Bonobos is a menswear where it set up uh, uh, stores with no inventory, but it's really a place where you get measured, you can feel, go and t- uh, feel the materials. Um, Casper is a mattress store because, you know, mattress is also, buying mattresses is also a very high touch uh, experience where you can go uh, bounce around to see if the firmness is the right one. But all the purchases are done online, shipped home. Uh, and it's you know, an in-store as a showroom, uh, but the experience is mostly the shopping, the payments experience, the shopping experience is largely uh, online. So yeah. I think uh, it's also important to remember that the stores aren't going. Absolutely, yeah, I don't think so. My kids always love going to hang out in the Lego store. It's always a great upsell opportunity for dad. <laughs> uh, Jiva, could I come to you now for some of your insights here around um, unified commerce and, and omnichannel and, and what it really means to you? Sure, Daddy. Firstly, agree with what Warren said, and I think that's one reason why we have chosen to partner with Adian because of their uh, they were aligned with what we wanted to do on unified commerce because uh, when we were looking for a payment provider, uh, a lot of them were still talking about omni-channel and I found there was a slight difference of what we wanted to achieve and what they were offering and Adian was a great example of which was aligned to what we wanted to do and that's why we went here to partner with them. Uh, to me, omni-channel, it started off from the concept of multi-channel where a business had different uh, to sell. So you had a store, you had online, you have uh, pop-up events, you had your social media. And then it kind of progressed to omni-channel where you, it became a bit more consumer-centric by connecting all the channels together. But one of the problems omni-channel is, uh, as I mentioned earlier, is because of different systems, you need a lot of customization and you need a lot of work to make one system talk to another. And it creates a, created a lot of problems. It was expensive, and um, things got left out. So, for example, the data center or CRM module wasn't connected, and it needed a lot of work to connect it. So, what the industry has evolved to is, as Warren said, uh, a unified commerce approach, where you have one system that has all these capabilities, and it makes data transfer very easy for you for for the retailer to use it. Because essentially, uh, the unified commerce approach and the digital transformation is to make it really easy and engaging for the consumer to shop. That's the main motive. Make it for them very easy to make a purchase and then make it fun for them to make a purchase. But also to make sure that uh, we, as a business, makes it easy for us to consume the data to make sure we provide the best services to them. So I think that's why the unified commerce approach is extremely important right now. Uh, to achieve the digital transformation. And I think in terms of stores, uh, I see shifting a lot from the sales focus, product focus to service focus. Uh, I noticed a lot that we used to, we used to spend a lot of money online, uh, digitally advertising. So talking about our brand, talking about our stores, 
in the in the hope that that will drive consumers to our shops to to, to buy. But I think that role is kind of reversed a bit. So stores, I feel physical stores are now becoming very important to acquire customers because that's where they see the brand. You get to talk about the brand. You get to make them leave the brand as if we do to understand the brand, and then they go online and buy. So the role is kind of reversed that way. So the new stars are kind of becoming media. And to do that, you need to make sure you pull the customers in, uh, make them feel engaged, make them feel comfortable uh, without pushing too much of the product itself. And then they will then buy it themselves. So I think stars developing to a destination, and I said blending the learning, the entertainment, the shopping, where social and hospitality is becoming very important. At the end of the day, we are all social creatures. We want to go out. So when when this circuit breaker ended, I got to wait to go out to the shops. So I think we want to go and have that experience. So I think the shops are never going to go away. Mm. But I think merging this together is extremely important. Yeah. I loved your point there around, you know, you, you don't need to be selling a product. It's more around drawing the customer in and making it fun for the customer and, uh, and you know, getting them maybe to just engage and touch and feel your brand. We see other companies, retailers doing it in Instagram, for example, where they're doing a, yeah. a fitness class or something, if they're, if they're like that. And then all of a sudden you're having a great fun time and a link pops up to, to buy the product. Um, and it's just a, an inspirational maybe purchase or click that you might do. I, I just really like that point you made there around, you know, making the customer feel engaged. I thought that was great. Yes, because uh, you as a consumer, you have a lot of choices where you can buy a product. Mm. So using BHG as an, as an example, uh, you can buy the cosmetic in BHG or in other department stores, but why come to BHG? Mm. So we got to make sure we have a proposition that's connecting with the consumer. So you get a bit more when you come to BHG, not just you get to buy a product. We will treat you differently. We'll treat you as a personalized treatment. There's a lot more events happening. So for example, some of the change we're doing in the next six to eight months in our flagship store bookish is adding a lot of workshops. So you don't just come and buy a product, you can come and just learn stuff about fragrance. How do you buy a fragrance? You go into a shop and see 50 fragrances. How do you know the right one to buy? So someone will be there doing a workshop to show you what fragrances is, how do you buy the fragrances, what suits you. Uh, we will have a concept, uh, for example, selling uh, wellness product or honey, but it's more about learning about the stuff as well. So how do you get how honey is made, for example, how bees, uh, how bees get honey. So there's a lot of engaging stuff happening uh, in the stores to make people choose where they go shop. Mm -hmm. And I guess if you're, if you're hanging out there, you're spending time there, you're doing the workshops, I mean, the likelihood is that you will start to engage with the, with the product. Exactly. And yeah. like you said, the Lego example, if, if your kid <laughs> sits down there for two hours playing yeah. a Lego, when you tell them time to leave, they're going to say, Dad, I want the Lego piece. Yeah, it's the only way to get them out of the store, Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so to my earlier point around these pillars within digital transformation, Warren, are there any kind of key pillars you think the listeners just need to be looking out for or being mindful of when it comes to unified commerce? I think the most important part is we're all shoppers, we're all consumers, right? We buy uh, goods, whether it's online or in store. We order food online, we go to the grocery store. There's so many uh, ways to shop now, but ultimately we're all shoppers, we're all consumers. And we, we all know, um, if we're not in the retail industries, take the fact that we're, I'm in the payments industry, we know what delightful experiences mean at, on a personal level. Mm. And 
I think that's where it really starts. Gee, the one thing you mentioned, again, I just want to come back to it, was around the data, the data being generated. Um, when you've got these systems, when you're doing omnichannel, you've got to be capturing the data and the foot traffic and, and you're making sure you utilize that. I think a lot of brands struggle from what I see what from going from actually gathering the data to being able to act on the data, to use the data. But it sometimes becomes a little bit of a, a data gathering exercise rather than a you know, gather the data and make sure we're using these insights to improve the omnichannel, sorry, unified commerce experience. Uh, any advice there for the listeners? I think I think that you're right, Danny. There's a lot. There's a problem that a lot of us face because there's a huge amount of data out there. Some examples would be the traffic, like you mentioned, the traffic analysis. So how we could use the data is we, in our store, BHU, the part of the transformation is having heat sensors on the floors, so heat maps. So what we would do is, at the end of the day, see the traffic flow in our floor. And where do people spend more amount of time? And if we find that this is the area people spend more amount of time and more engaged, if I have a new product launch, if I want to do a pop-up uh, or show a new product, this is where I'll put it because this is where people spend more the, the longest amount of time. So I think using the data is um, it's difficult because there's a lot of data, but I think that's why the systems are key to make sure how we use the data, making it easy to use. Uh, Warren, did you want to chime in here at all? Yeah, I mean, retailers have so much data out there now, like the, throughout the years collecting the data. I think where we come in as a payments company is really using payments to tie the nuggets together, where the data is coming from a, a in-store collections or, is, or through online or through mobile. Uh, we think that payments is really a key to tie it all together. You're listening to the Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast. This edition is brought to you in partnership with Adyen, the platform built to simplify and accelerate global payments. The primary focus in retail has to be on the customer. How do we ensure the best possible experience to build loyalty and repeat business? Jiva, could you kick us off here around customer experience and some of the, the tactics and advice you would have for the listeners? Well, I think it comes down to basic of making it a seamless and frictionless journey for the consumer. So no matter what they want to buy, being able to let them buy where they want, when they want, how they want it. So I think if you can achieve that, it makes it uh, you're halfway through achieving your success of a retail business. One small step, for example, we have taken is and together with ADN as well, is going into a mobile POS. So as a department store, and this is not a new technology, it's been around for ages, it's just not used a lot here. So if you go into a BHG or other department stores, you see traditional big cash counters. And I don't understand the concept of when you buy something, they write you a receipt, and then you go to a counter, cash counter, you make a payment, and then you come and collect your product. That seems crazy. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is uh, gone into mobile POS where our staff are walking around with mobile iPads uh, where you can make a payment where you are. And that's why it was key to kind of partner with Adian on this. So we can take payment no matter where you are so that you can, you don't have the hassle of going to make a payment at a cash counter. And I think um, doing that is putting the consumer first. So mm. you are more thinking of their needs rather than what is easy for the store to yeah. take a payment. 
And I think the ADM payment link is, is great. Uh, we can now even do phone orders for someone who doesn't want, say you are, say you are a demographic where you're not used to e-commerce, you're not used to digital, uh, this ADM pay by link is uh, it's a great example. So we can send a text with a link and they can just click and pay on it. So they don't need uh, to be online. I love the mobile POS example. I'm definitely going to start shopping in your department store. Thank I, you very I, know, much, I, I, I normally get lost looking for the uh, looking for the payments counter and potentially lose one of the children. So I think if if the payments counter can come to you, uh, that yes. for me is a fantastic customer experience. So yeah, kudos to you for putting that in. It sounds like uh, the customers will be flocking back to to use that. We hope so. Yeah, uh, Warren, can I get your thoughts here? Yeah, I think retailers have a big challenge. Um, frictionless, I think, is, of course, the end goal for everyone to make sure the shopper experience is seamless, frictionless, as Jiva mentioned. But at the same time, you know, not, uh, consumers have so many choices, right? and not one size fits all. So take uh, an example of payment methods. Um, in the early days, there's websites out there where uh, they solved the problem by displaying all 20, all 50 different payment methods. Um, and all, all it did was create a lot of confusion um, and a lot of friction for the consumer. Well, they provided all the choices, uh, they created a lot of friction. And it's really around figuring out how to design the experience, um, how to make the trade-offs so that you can offer the most relevant choices. Uh, don't have to offer all 50 payment methods to uh, capture all the consumers. Um, and it's really frictionless also isn't just about uh, online. You hear the term a lot for online checkout experiences, making it seamless. But as Eva mentioned, it's also about uh, the offline, right? If there is a long line at the cashier, um, you know, there's some people may need to wait uh, because uh, they, want to pre they prefer to pay in cash. But if you do have a, a mobile pause, you can also tap someone on the line and say, are you paying with a card? Uh, perhaps uh, you can, I can help you uh, separately. Uh, through this mobile POS terminal. So there's so many ways to create frictionless environments, uh, not just uh, online, but it's uh, in-store as well. Is there any advice you'd give Warren to just gathering the customer feedback? Because often I think maybe brands start to give things that they think the customer want without actually gathering enough data or feedback from the customers to really hone in and understand how they're using the product, how they're using the service. Where are the friction points, or or is there just something that the company isn't doing? How how do you how do you listen to the customer? How do you how do you gather that information? You know the best part, best way is to go uh, uh, go to the front lines, talk to uh, consumers, talk to the, the the staff at the store. I always find that to be the best uh, way mm -hmm. to learn about uh, how the experience is. For example, uh, if a store implements our terminals and and I see it, uh, I'll take a moment to uh, ask the, uh, the staff. How is the experience? Because that's uh, something that's uh, so much more powerful than just looking at data. Um, mm. Sometimes all you need to do is go to the front line and ask. Jeeva, did you have any thoughts there around gathering, just gathering the feedback and make, making sure that you're acting upon on what your customers are telling you? Uh, I think, as Warren said, I think uh, frontline staff are key. So uh, one, they got to feel that they have the freedom to express this. A lot of time, uh, frontline staff feel that they, they don't have the voice to come and tell the high, uh, management team or the head office team what the customer wants. Uh, we saw that quite a few times when we first started. So what we did was we went to work in the stops. So I would take, uh, take a day in a month and we'll do eight hour shift in the store ourselves. 
to, to see what actually happens online because a lot of times sitting in head office you think you know what they want but not until you on the floor eight hours trying to sell a product then you will see how difficult it is or what the customer actually wants from a product so i think and that that kind of breaks the barrier being with the frontline staff as well to to share their thoughts and i think it's key but using technology um i think the ai technology has will help a lot and i think it's slowly being used so i think it should be used a lot more uh, a lot of people get slightly worried oh ai this uh, what is ai it's kind of big thing but it's actually not it's actually um, a software that can help you get the right data for the consumer so because it's it's used as a learning method so this software learns from the customer's uh, shopping patterns and behaviors then it comes up with suggestion on what the consumer might like something like your uh, netflix where it goes recommend recommended program because of what you watched so that makes it easier for retailers to then predict what the consumer would like based on their patterns. So I guess it's it's bridging the two. It's it's using the the human factor or humanizing it, making sure you're on the front lines, you're in the trenches, you're you're talking to your customers and your frontline staff, but then also utilizing technology like AI to be able to predict patterns and gather the data and then start to personalize and uh, and recommend products ahead of time. Definitely, I think merging that two together would be it would be key. You're listening to the Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast. This edition is brought to you in partnership with Agien, the platform built to simplify and accelerate global payments. And that brings us to the end of part one of this detailed look at how we can delight your buyers and future-proof your brand through the right e-commerce payments platform. In part two, we focus on mindset, the importance of developing a brilliant culture and maintaining agile and resilient leadership Part two of this special edition of Digital Transformation and Leadership with me, Danny Levy, in conversation with Warren Hayashi, the president of Agian Asia Pacific, and Jeeva Subramarian, CFO of BHG, is available to listen to in the next episode. This has been a Blue Aurora Media production for Worldwide Business Research. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.